Howdy, Rob. How you doing? I'm all right. I uh, hear we had a birthday this week. We did. Very low key. Yeah, you know, once you get key. once you get to these uh, these kind of milestones, Sarah, they become a lot more low key. <laughs> I was, was going to say as you well know, oh. but that would be that would be very rude. <gasps> but I'm 21. What are you on I about? Know, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah. No, I mean everyone loves the 30th birthday. <laughs> Did you get anything nice that's movie related at all? Well, funny you should say that <gasps> because yeah, I received a pretty cool little movie card game, and it's quite simple. Every single card's got the name of a actor and a movie. And from that, there are six different games. So how about oh. we go head to head right now? You're going to say win this game. I probably first. won't. I probably won't. Right, okay. So this is it. Let's, well, give it. let's give it a go. I'll draw the card. I'll tell you the name of the actor. And then basically, let's just go back and forth until someone's stumped on a film that they're in. You ready? Yes. Dwayne The Rock Johnson. The Rock. Uh, Jumanji. Um, um, Moana. Fighting for the family, I think is that Yeah, one? that's 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 a good one. What's in the film called Skyscraper? Yes. Get in there. Uh, the journey to the centre of the earth, is it something like that? I can't remember. There's a journey something. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I love The Rock. He's lovely. I love him. It's great, right, but I can't can, remember you, this I, film. I mean, like, well, okay, you can have that, I suppose. I can't remember that film. Um, 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 oh, my God. So you said Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. Jumanji, Next Level. <sighs> Boom. Uh, a pass. Oh. <laughs> you <won that> one. <laughs> I must admit, I'm stuck as well. Baywatch, Baywatch. Oh, Baywatch, yes. Oh, I should know so many more than that. I've I've let myself down. (laughs) If I now read out the number of films this dude's been in, he's he's like the highest paid uh, actor in Hollywood, apparently, at the moment. Rampage, Skyscraper. Rampage, that's what I was thinking. Baywatch, Fast and Furious 8, Moana, Central Intelligence. Yep. San Andreas, Hercules. The number of films he is involved in at the moment that aren't out. Jungle Cruise, post-production, Red Notice filming, Black Adam pre-production, The King pre-production, San Andreas 2 announced, Doc Savage announced, Big Trouble in Little China announced. I mean, he is the thing. He is the hot property, isn't he? He's got a couple of TV shows as well that I've been watching on Netflix that are good fun. Nice guy. We like The Rock. We do like The Rock. The yeah. Rock is cool. Anyway, there you go. Uh, good game. Yeah, good game. Many hours to waste away <laughs> playing that game, that's for sure. We'll be playing that after the podcast as well, won't we? It's more. <laughs> cool. So before we crack on, can I just yeah. tell you, I went to see Tenet. Yeah. Um, and I was a little bit disappointed. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. I don't know if this is just a critics film, but I went with five other people, one of whom is particular into his films, and we all came out feeling very underwhelmed. Oh, that's a yeah. shame because I wanted to watch that. Well, no, listen. I still will. I still will watch it. Yeah, don't um, watch it. Don't watch it with that kind of expectation because um, who knows? It, it's incredibly, in terms of what he did with Inception, you know, you know the whole kind of bending of time and all that kind of stuff. It's that, but on a different level like it's quite complicated to follow yeah i just didn't i just didn't invest in the characters or the story but that said clearly there's loads of people out there that absolutely love it so uh, Mm. 
when you go, you've got to report back. Right. Okay, let's crack on. Right. So what are we going for? Die Hard or Pretty Woman? Pretty Woman. Walking down the down street. The street pretty Woman. woman. <laughs> Can I like to meet Pretty Woman? Do we do Pretty Woman first? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, this was your film, wasn't it? This was my film, yeah. Right, so 1990 Pretty Woman, directed by Gary Marshall, who had done Beaches before this. Everyone probably remembers Beaches, and he went yes. on Sue Frankie and Johnny Runaway Bride. He did the Princess Diary films, Valentine's Day, New Year's Day. So, yeah, you get the idea with the kind of mm-hmm. films he makes. Um, written by J.F. Lawton and starring Richard Gere and Judy Roberts. Judy Roberts was just coming off Mystic Pizza and Steel Magnolia, so she was on the way up. This is the film that just totally launched her. And Richard Gere, he had already done Officer and a Gentleman, American Gigolo, Breathless, Internal Affairs. So he was already kind of an established star. Um, This is a film about a young prostitute named Vivian, Vivian Ward, played by Julia Roberts, who dreams of a man like a knight in shining armour who will rescue her and she's after true love. She's working one night on Hollywood Boulevard with her best friend Kit when clean-cut, handsome, billionaire Edward Lewis screeches to a halt in this Lotus Elise sports car. He's just left the party, having broken up with his girlfriend. He's so rich, this guy, he doesn't really even know how to drive a manual car, and so he's screeching all over the place. Stops, is not interested in picking up a prostitute, but is simply wanting to get directions to the hotel he's going to, the Beverly Wilshire. Vivian charges him for directions, and eventually he lets her into the car, and as she realises how bad he is at driving, and she clearly knows something about cars, he then actually lets her drive him to the hotel. When they get there, there's clearly some attraction. It feels hard for him to leave her outside, so he invites her in to his penthouse suite. They spend the night together, and he asks her to extend the stay that week for seven days for a salary to accompany him on various social and business events. So he, he's this corporate raider, buys huge companies, breaks them up, sells them on. He's got this deal on the table that week. And so he thinks it would help to have a stunning woman on his arm, regardless of the fact that she's a hooker. Vivian obviously just absolutely can't believe it and accepts And then over the week, she gets to live the high life. So whilst he's out working, she's going out buying dresses or going to social events. So she makes loads of friends amongst the hotel staff, but also kind of enemies, including Edward's lawyer, Philip Stuckey, who's played by Jason Alexander from Seinfeld. And he doesn't like Vivian at all. She thinks she's bad news. And very predictably, she begins to fall in love with Edward It's reciprocal, but he has a very different perspective on life, love and business. But the feelings are obviously definitely there. So we are left to wonder whether they will or will not get together at the end of the week's day. Oh, I wonder what will happen. And that's it. I mean, most people must have seen Pretty Woman. It's a very, very easy watch. I presume you've seen this quite a few times before, Sarah. Do you know what? This is the first time I've seen it all. Oh, wow. Yeah, (laughs) I've watched bits of it. I obviously didn't watch it on video or DVD or 
anything like that but I've caught it I think I must have caught it on telly a few times and I've not watched it all the way through so this is the first time and yeah I mean you know what you're gonna get it's Julia Roberts fantastic smile laugh is infectious as well and then you've got the charming Richard Gere very gentle strong businessman so you kind of you know what you're going to get and you know what's going to happen at the end of the day and I did find it hilarious how they met that he was struggling with his colleague's car and pulls into an area on Hollywood Boulevard where she's just starting her night work let's call it and they meet that way. But you can definitely see there's a strong chemistry between them. And actually, that was something that Richard Gere, he wasn't originally going to take this role. And their first audition together, there was quite a strong connection with them. And Julia Roberts wrote on a post-it note, please say yes (laughs) to signing this contract. And he did. There's obviously something there that he thought, this is going to be quite good, quite special at work. And, you know, there was speculation whether they were dating or not. And they denied it. And they've remained good friends throughout the years as well. And they also did Runaway Bride. You've already mentioned the director, same director for that as well. So there's definitely a connection there. And you can see that on set. It's, it's a lovely relationship they have. She's very trusting of him. She's charging him for everything, but very trusting of him. And she's cheeky as well. I like the way she's slightly cheeky. I have to say my favourite scene is where she goes out and has to find some clothes and goes to one store and they're a bit snobby with her, then goes to another store, buys a heap of clothes, gets the full VIP service and basically goes back to that store and says, big mistake, <laughs> big mistake not buying from me. And, you know, she's got all these bags and other people holding bags for her as well. But what I think what makes this film is the music. That You've got Roy Orbison with Pretty Woman, you've got Wild Women Do, Natalie Cole, Fame, uh, David Bowie, King of Wishful Thinking, Go West, it, it must have been Love, Roxette. That was a big song for this film. And it went on to get gold and platinum recognition. And it was number one in many countries for many weeks. Even Richard Gere played the piano in the film and composed a piece of music for the film as well. So it was very musical. And that's actually what I remember the film more than the acting. And I don't know if that's a good or bad thing. It's probably not the best thing, to be honest. But talking about the acting, Julia Roberts got nominated for an Oscar for Best Leading Lady, which is, I think, slightly unusual for a mainstream summer blockbuster film in the day you know it, I, I guess you don't really see many mainstream films getting best actor or best actress Oscar nominations today even so she did very well to get that she didn't win the Oscar but she certainly was recognised for her work and talking about casting you've got the likes of Sandra Bullock that was offered this role before Julia Roberts and turned it down and Julia Roberts played this very very well but actually Sandra Bullock would have been equally as good I think playing this role as well and then you got Al Pacino, who was asked to play Edward. I don't think he would have worked at all. I think they definitely had Richard Gere was perfect for this role. As I said before, you've definitely got that chemistry. And Demi Moore was chosen to, to play Kit initially, but it again went to Lara San Giacomo, and this was a big role for her. And she hasn't really done much in the way of big roles after this either. So definitely the right actors, I think, for the film. Um, Sandra Bullock, I think, would have done a good job as well. But I, I can't... I don't know. Have you got any more thoughts on on the actual storyline? Because it's really the music for me for this film. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. It's definitely the music, and I would I would say maybe the chemistry between them. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
I mean, we were talking about towards the end of last week after yeah. the podcast, we were talking about guilty pleasures, guilty pleasure movies. And I would yes. say for me, this is a bit of a guilty pleasure movie because, yeah, I mean, the story is, it's not, it's very, very light. I mean, given the fact that it's about a prostitute, it's very kind of broad strokes, isn't it? And very yeah. glossy and very lighthearted and very mainstream. It was interesting mm. to know, looking into the, trivia and facts and figures behind this that originally it was supposed to be a much darker film and in the original screenplay Vivian is a cocaine addict and basically the whole idea of that seven day period was supposed to be her going without cocaine for seven days but she doesn't manage to do he was then to basically dump her and her and Kit end up at the end of the film going to Disneyland and and there's a part in the film where you see Kit's on the phone to Judy Roberts and you see she's holding a Winnie the Pooh teddy bear. That, that's supposed right. to be a reference to the Disney thing. But obviously, if you take that idea, you get a very yeah. darker film, and that might well yeah. be why the likes yeah. of Al Pacino were attached to it. But yeah, I think back to it, and I think of the the chemistry. I mean, you had the chance last week to kind of ogle at Brad Pitt, and I think this is my turn with Julia Roberts. <laughs> Even though a lot of the time it was either a body double. I mean, the body even on the poster is not even Julia Roberts, which I just think is unbelievable. Um, I like some of the stories behind it. The bits I remember, yes, definitely the soundtrack. But uh, the scenes which brought out, I suppose, quite natural reactions. And not surprisingly, you find out a lot of these scenes are ad-libbed. So the scene where Edward gives her the necklace and he opens it and she takes the necklace and then he quickly snaps the lid down and her reaction is completely natural because he wasn't supposed to do that. And now those kind of stories are nice. It sounds like she found it difficult to get the natural laughter actually in the film. Apparently when she was watching the movies in the hotel, that laughter, they had to get that laughter by tickling her feet because they just couldn't get the natural <laughs> laughter out. So I just thought that was all quite interesting that some of the natural laughter you hear didn't come naturally to her. I also read that the scene when she's in the bathtub when she's offered this $3,000 when they're negotiating the price and she disappears under these Yeah, these, that's quite sweet, actually. Yeah. When she, apparently when she comes back up, apparently everyone on the set left the room. Everybody, even the cameraman. They left the shot running. They left the camera running, but they all just walked away. I or just she was surprised. Purely yeah. as a joke. So I love to hear about all that kind of mm. stuff. I, also, Richard Gere apparently wanted to do far more with his role. I suppose being the bigger star, probably thinking he's got more acting chops maybe than Julia Roberts, who was on her way up and had quite a lot to say apparently on the script side of things. But Gary Marshall apparently had to take him aside and say, look, there's two people in this film. One person does nothing and the other person does everything. Guess who you are? (laughs) In other words, just deliver your lines. (laughs) Don't get too into this role. And that's what he did. That's exactly what he did. He's kind of just sort of mumbled along. He was just a gentleman really yeah Um, but it's like it's funny because you can say his performance is really dialed in and wooden because he's mm. quite emotionless i suppose that's part of the character he hasn't got that much emotion by him but it's just interesting to hear that he wanted to do more with it Mm. but gary marshall said no that that's what you're supposed to do it's all about julia roberts it's all about vivian let her do her thing and it's absolutely true isn't it and it kind of works for that you know where the film is is going but I think some of the characters in the hotel are quite cool as well. The way she has a kind of a... Yeah, a good relationship with them as well. Yeah. yeah. Especially with the, the hotel manager. He was quite... But you wouldn't get you wouldn't get that 
um, as, as soon as somebody turns up, you know, looking how she looked, very out of place, there were probably a few words with the hotel manager and, and Edward to say, she can stay tonight and that's it. She needs to leave. She can't stay on the premises. Tonight. But then if he's like some billionaire who's paying <laughs> ridiculous money in the penthouse suite, I would have thought some hotels would just turn a blind eye to it, in all honesty. The other scene I remember, and again, it's, I think again, this is this kind of bit like a nostalgia, isn't it? For me, I kind of think back just to those scenes I can remember. And the other scene was when she's just had a bit of a lesson from the hotel manager about the etiquette at yeah. the dinner table ahead yeah. of this really big business meal dinner they've got you know which fork is for what and she's all very nervous about it and during the meal she gets given a plate of escargot snails and she <laughs> she's accidentally whilst trying to get the snail out she kind of flicks it with her fork and one of the waiters just grabs it in the air this great catch and she says slippery little suckers that's a line that i yeah. i remember i don't know it's almost like every actor actress actor has their film where they were like catapulted into stardom and I think that's what Pretty Woman is for Julia Roberts and I think that's why you enjoy watching it she is a star in it it's like the making of a star when you watch a very let's say glossy because this is really glossy a glossy film but it's just well put together and it has two stars that have a presence and a chemistry it's amazing what you can get away with it just sucks you in and I'll give you an example of a film that is not exactly like this, but I felt similar when I watched A Star Is Born. A Star Is Born, don't get me wrong, is a better film and it has a darkness to it that this doesn't have. But still, it's a bit like Bradley Cooper, Lady Gaga had this chemistry and presence. And, you know, sometimes when you just you get um, a kind of a partnership like that on screen, you just get drawn in and you can mm. forget about all of the other stuff, just kind of go along with it. So, yeah, I mean, I felt pretty much the same about it when I watched it this time to, to last yeah, time. Yeah, I mean, I think it was also a little bit of a comeback for Richard Gere, though, as well. I mean, he did Officer and Gentleman in 1982 and he then did some not great movies in 1990 he did internal affairs and then he had almost like a bit of a comeback and pretty woman was in 1990 as well so i think for both of them i think it was was a successful film and the box office was amazing 14 million dollars to make this film how much do you think it made rob i don't know i i would say 80 no, $465 million wow. worldwide gross. And then I thought last week, what was the Toy Story? That's right. Toy Story made near this amount, but this is even more. So that just goes to show the low budget, fairly low budget, really, and a huge outcome. So it did incredibly well, simply because... It was marketed well. It's got great soundtrack and it's got some great stars in it. So you can't go wrong, really. It's a classic, isn't it? It's a classic film. A lot of people would have watched it or watched a snippet of it at some point. And for me, I knew what it was in for. There was nice chemistry between the two actors in this film. And for me, I'm going to give it 7.5, I think, out of 10. Just because good on Julia Roberts for getting nominated for an Oscar for a mainstream film. And because it's it did so well. It did brilliantly. Yeah, I'm right with you. Uh, 7.5 for me. And you know what? Yeah, I agree with everything you're saying. Just good casting, good soundtrack, good enough story, just chemistry, just just kind of works. But I think, as I say, I, I remember this film for Julia Roberts. It is a standout performance. And, and just for that, seven, yeah, seven and a half. 
yeah, it would be strange. I think she would actually win an Oscar for this. She did. She did get the Golden Globe though for best yeah. best actress. So it's nice in some way that she got some kind of accolade because it, it stands up, doesn't it? I mean, this is quite an old film to watch, but it's still very easy to watch now. Yeah, yeah, cool. Brilliant. So seven and a half for both of us. So on to Yippee Kaye. It's Die Hard 2, Die Harder. Do you think of the whole line there? Of course I do. There's something missing, isn't there? <laughs> it's not a 15. I think, I think the audience could fill in the gap at the end. yippee Kaye. <laughs> so, yeah, so released in 1990. Typical for you, just you to bring that up. <laughs> Lower the tone, I don't know. There was loads of stories about him before we even talked about the film. <laughs> there was quite a lot of swearing in this. Yeah, I kind of ignored it, though, to be honest. <laughs> anyway, anyway, do continue. Continue, sorry. <laughs> it's Die Hard 2, Die Harder. Released in 1990, released um, and directed by uh, Finnish director Rennie Harlan, and he's apparently known as the best director in Finland for some of his action thrillers, including Cliffhanger, Cutthroat Island, and Deep Blue Sea. But what I like about it is that we're watching a Christmas film in August as well. <laughs> a bit like Love Actually when we watched that back in sort of April, May time really, isn't it? So the reason why I've gone for Die Hard 2 is because I, I did like Die Hard, the first one, but Alan Rickman was in the first one and there's something about his character that really annoys me. Whereas I think this one, Die Hard 2, is, is just more action-packed and at first one's got a load of action, but this is even more. It goes the next level. It's got even three big baddies all fighting for the same cause and you've got William Sadler as Colonel Stewart's character. Slightly strange as well, I would say, with his naked martial arts moves at the start of the film. But it just it's just packed full of great quotes, big fight 'em ups. It's he's at his best really in this film, as he was for Die Hard. And I just love action. And this is a really another guilty pleasures movie, I would say. To watch this film, you don't actually have to watch the first one. You can just pick it up. Officer John McClane, played by Bruce Willis, is at Dulles International Airport. It's in Washington, D.C. Waiting to pick up his wife whilst having a coffee. He follows a suspicious group of people into this baggage conveyor area and sees them up to mischief. And then they basically get into an early shoot em up at the start of the film. He then reports it into the airport police, but they don't want to listen to, to McLean because he already committed a crime by parking his car illegally just outside the car park. I don't know why he thought he could get away with that, to be honest. However, he managed to find a man to look into one of the people that he actually killed in the first shoot em up. And what happened is, is this person has deceased about two years before. And McLean thinks this guy is part of this black ops unit. And he tries to tell the manager of the airport, but before he could, the airport system goes down. <sighs> Whilst this is going on, there's a South American president who came a drug dealer, is arriving in the country to be handed to the American authorities. And obviously, you know, there's some connection between the two, as you, if you're watching that. It's on the news everywhere as well. And basically, you just, this group are part of the same unit wants to get this guy free and take him somewhere where he's safe but the airport gets called up by the baddies after the system has gone down and they tell them they've taken control of the system and they can't communicate with any of their planes up in the sky at the moment and they can't even support them with their landing either so who is up in the sky john mclean's wife of course circling dull's airport and next step mclean needs to do is defeat the bad guys and get the plans landing safely as well so i'm going to leave it as that rob what do you think uh i 
I mean, it's another, like you say, guilty pleasure, I think, kind yeah. of sums it up. It's complete nonsense, obviously, but it's John McClane, isn't it? It's John yeah. McClane doing everything all over again. And they don't mind making light of that. There's parts of the film where he makes reference to like, oh my God, you know, this is really again. You know, there's a lot of humour in there as you got, as you got with the first one, the action scenes. I think a lot of them are, I would say, quite run of the mill. And some of them, no, actually, I remember at the time some of them being really quite jaw-dropping. So the climactic scene is really, really memorable. The scene where he lights the plane fuel at the end and quotes the famous line and leading to this huge plane explosion and the fight on the plane wing that leads up to that. I remember all that stuff really well. I remember the scene earlier in the film where a plane is driven into the the airport and they're just as impressive now as they were before, I thought. There is some bits of it that give it a slightly dark edge that you might think wow I didn't see that coming you know I felt like when I was watching it this is Bruce Willis it's die hard it's it's action thriller but it's nothing too serious but there are a few scenes where the baddies decide that they're going to make a statement of intent and what they're prepared to do which you might see in any hostage film situation and then they go and literally blow up a plane with many many people on it Actually, that scene I completely forgot about. I was like, "Oh wow, crikey, okay." That you know, that that's almost a quite bold. I mean, it's not graphic, it's, but you just see the plane completely explode. And so I thought, in some ways, that stood out. That it almost felt like it didn't fit into the film. But I kind of quite, I quite liked it for that. I like films that are light-hearted but aren't afraid to put a bit in there, which gives it a bit more of an edge. And I like the fact that it wastes no time in just getting on with the action. I mean, no sooner is Bruce Willis been given this parking ticket and quick call with his wife who's up in the plane and he's sitting down having a coffee and then he starts looking around noticing suspicious things and before you know it he's gone into some side door and before you know it, he's in the depths of this air and he's fighting it's kicking off so I like the fact there's no messing they know what this film's all about and they just deliver it I like some of the ways in which these characters lose their lives <laughs> it's very entertaining I would say like gruesome when you think about it but they don't show too much. For example, quite early on when he's having a fight in the baggage kind of trains going back and forth. And he, he's lying down having a fight with one of them and they're coming up to the part where the, yeah. you know, there's only a small gap. Oh, yeah. I thought he'd survive that, actually. I was really surprised that he was going to get crushed by it because I thought there's, there's just about... If he turns his head, there's enough gap for him to get through because obviously his head is not bigger than a, some of the luggage that goes under there. Yeah, I know what you mean. I was like... I was like what? What happened there? I, yeah. I know what you mean. But then as soon as you start thinking like that, the whole film can just collapse, can't it? Like, I, so I, I just kind of went with it and thought, okay, you know, when you just saw this shot, you did see a shot yeah. of like Bruce Willis falls off just in time, looks back up and you just see these legs kind of like <laughs> vibrating. You think, well, actually, that's quite, it's quite horrible watching that. And then there was another scene where he's fighting somebody outside this disused church where the baddies set up their whole flight control centre. There's this fight with John McClane Plane and he and he's he's lying there. Someone's trying to knife him and he's holding the knife back as you see in so many films. And then he looks behind him and of course because it's like snowing and he sees this like mm. uh, an icicle 
Gutsy grabs it and stabs him, <laughs> stabs him in the eye with this icicle. Again, funny, but kind of also quite gruesome at the same time. Um, and then, of course, the scene on the plane wing when the major, the commando major, gets sucked into the, the engine turbine. Yeah, so, so I like that. I'm glad they threw some of that kind of stuff in there. I, it's one of those films where like, you start criticising it. It's like criticising a film where you have to completely suspend disbelief in the first place is, is a little bit weird. I mean, I remember watching Die Hard with a Vengeance, the third one with Samuel L. Jackson. And obviously, I remember, you know, Die Hard, we've all seen Die Hard. I never watched the ones after that that I don't think did particularly well. No, yeah. But um, the only thing I thought that didn't give it quite the weight of the first film was the fact that you saw more of the hostages in the first film. The only person in peril was that they focused on was his wife. Yeah. on the plane and obviously that worked but in Die Hard there were more I think there was more focus on some of the other characters of all the people being held hostage in the building which I think maybe drew you in purely to invest maybe in the characters slightly more or invest in their situation whereas I didn't think this one quite had that but then I also think it, it's like Die Harder let's not maybe focus on that let's do what works and just do it on a in another setting. Yeah, I mean, reading about it, Bruce Willis was given free reign to throw in as many ad-lib lines as he wanted. He did a lot of that in Die Hard, which of course worked really well. And some of the well-known lines, I think, came from these ideas he had. I imagine a lot of those lines are the kind of lines he almost delivers. It almost like he's delivering to the audience, clambering through tunnels. And he has these moments of kind of thinking, I can't believe this is happening to me again. Or like there I was thinking of eggnog and turkey for Christmas. No, I'm here instead. <laughs> I, I'm sure it was those lines that maybe came out of his ad living. And also, you know, we talked about, we, we played the game earlier in the podcast, talking about Dwayne Johnson. Bruce Willis was the man for action films. He was the man, yeah. wasn't he? Definitely. Just in the same way as, yeah. you know, Arnie was doing it, Sylvester Stallone was doing it. He wasn't like the muscle man, but he was that guy and he just delivered. And as I think for me, it, the film just, it does what it says on the tin without any more particular yeah. finesse or anything, no huge depth to it. But yeah, you, you have to suspend disbelief because some of the characters that you can tell, they're completely over the top. And, you know, this commando team that are brought in, they're like just bumbling idiots that just walk around following everyone and don't actually seem to do anything. And I know there's the twist at the end, which might explain why they're not quite as... Uh, accurate with their firing or they're not you know what I mean I, so I whilst I understand there's a slight twist there it's a bit like the whole stormtrooper thing no one's no one seems to be able to shoot any weapon at an individual to kill them at crucial moments but you know that's just what it's all about um yeah so it's just a lot of fun isn't it it is gruesome fun, but fun. Yeah. Did you did you spot an actor in there that may have been starting his career early on? Oh man. No? Go on. John Liguizamo played Burke in this and he literally had one line in it. He was supposed to have a bigger role and he had done Casualties of War just before this, I believe. But yeah, he was supposed to have a much bigger part and they were heightest. Because he was too short, they didn't want to give him a bigger role. So they axed a lot of his scenes and just gave him a one-liner, which I'm quite shocked by. I've heard of many short bad guys in my lifetime and thought this was a, a weird decision that they made there. 
but yeah i mean obviously he's gone on to do romeo and juliet ice age he was he was kind of sloth looking character in, in that and he's done playing with fire more recently as well so he's made it but i think it was a bit of a surprise that he had a, such a short role in, in in this one i think it's aged a little bit you can see the massive phones that they had and yeah i like the way that they didn't really show any airlines that had gone out of business <laughs> today so no pan ams or anything like that were in there uh why is it that john mcclain managed to intercept frequency every time and he still managed to talk to the bad guys each time and die hard and die hard too uh, he managed to get away with it but it's you know what you're getting again it's a it's a guilty pleasures film you know there are women throwing themselves at john mcclain and and actually i think this film the next one after this you see the breakdown of their marriage because i think she's just had enough of staying with john mcclain she's like, <laughs> she's got I the can't message stay with you yeah <laughs> I think not... their marriage is on the rocks in Die Hard, the first one, wasn't that's it? That's right. That's right. Um, I think it's they, they were very much together in this one, but after this, I think that's it. <laughs> She's had enough. The, I, uh... I love it, but what are you going to give it for a rating? Well, before I do, I was going to mention another actor that I've just checked now because I completely forgot about it. Yeah. One of the baddies was the guy who plays the new Terminator in Terminator 2. So Robert Patrick, who plays that liquid alloy tie baddie in in Terminator 2, Judgment Day, just happened to be one of the baddies that John McClane had a fight with in like that kind of baggage hall Uh, warehouse place. And I saw his face, I thought, hey, he looks familiar. But he's literally on screen for like, you know, a minute. And I've just looked and it is that guy. I'm going to give it... I think I'm going to give it seven and a half because in the same way that Pretty Woman does what it says on the tin for that kind of romantic drama, I think this does the same for this genre. So I'm going yeah. to give, I'm also going to give it seven and a half. Yeah, I wish it. I wish it was a true story, you know, Pretty Woman, because <laughs> I think it would have given it more of a higher rating. It's like, wow, that really happened. Whereas Die Hard, um, it, I mean, box office again, seventy million to make, much bigger budget. Didn't gross as much as Pretty Woman, $240 million worldwide grossing. And then for a long time, if anyone was to ask, what's your favourite film? I probably would have said this film. I just I just love the cheesiness. I love Bruce Willis. I think he's brilliant in this. And yeah, for me, I can't give it a really high rating because we've seen some real strong films over the last few weeks. I'm going to give it a 7.5 again for this one as well. And it is definitely a guilty pleasures film. There you go. Absolutely. 7.5s across the board. Yes. And, that, and that brings us yeah. on maybe to something we were talking, you know, you've made reference to and we talked about before was this whole guilty pleasure. So we've decided that guilty pleasure movies should get a genre category all its Definitely. own. So, yeah, I think that's one for maybe to, to put in for next week. But for this week, should we do our pickings for this? I know that we've got action from from last time because we had a little mistake i think we chose thelma and louise which was supposed to be an action but it was actually an adventure if i recall so i'm going to go and pick action so that we cover that for this time round, and then we're throwing all the other genres back in the pot and guilty pleasures will be added next week so action for me then rob for this week okay so i have 22 actions 22 actions. I'm going to pick number seven. So it is a classic. It is Gladiator. Oh, okay. That's a good one. Have not seen that for a while. And that would be a good one. It's quite a long movie, if I recall, but looking forward to that. It's two and a half hours long. 
And this is obviously Ridley Scott's, probably one of his most celebrated films. Uh, obviously, Russell Crowe, where he, again, well, it's a bit like Julia Roberts from Pretty Woman. This is that film that launched Russell Crowe. Uh, so a former Roman general sets out to exact vengeance against the corrupt emperor who murdered his family and sent him into slavery. So we've got Russell Crowe, Joaquin Phoenix, Connie Nielsen, Oliver Reed, Richard Harris and Derek Jacobi. And it's a good week to watch this film, actually, because it's streaming on Netflix, Now TV and Sky. And you can rent or buy from Amazon Prime, uh, Rakuten TV. It's on the Sky Store, Apple TV, etc., etc. So this week is a good week to have it streaming on, the, on multiple platforms. Cool. Right. So everything goes back in a hat. So mm. here we go. Russell, Russell, Russell. It is drama. Drama. I have 49. I've added a couple. I've just had my birthday, so I'm going to say <laughs> number 45. 45, which is The Prestige, which is great and film. And it's in, it was released in 2006. It's got Hugh Jackman, Christian Bale, Scarlett Johansson, Michael Caine, Rebecca Hall, Andy Serkis, David Bowie, and this goes on. So great star cast. That's really cool. I mean, I'll read the blurb on this. After a tragic accident, two stage magicians engage in a battle to create the ultimate illusion while sacrificing everything they have to outwit each other. I'm so, so pleased you picked this. Or sorry, I'm so, so pleased I picked this off your list because <laughs> I've been so aware recently, especially with the hype around Tenet, that there are two... Well, that, do you know what? This is an admission. This is a bit of a shocker, really. There are three Nolan films I've yet to see. And one of them is Memento. The other is Inception, which is a shocker. But and this is the third. So I'm You've not seen it. Wow. So I'm so pleased because I haven't seen oh, it. And I really, cracker. really wanted to see it. Very good film. And it's streaming on Amazon Prime. You can rent or buy from Apple TV, Sky Store, Rakuten TV, etc., etc. So that is so, awesome. They're really good films. I'm really pleased about these. Okay, do you know what? Just to finish on, just because I feel like it, I'm going to pick a card from, again, you've got to name, let's see uh, if you can do as it. As many as possible. No, let's just see if you can do five movies. Five movies, okay? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to put a bit of pressure on you. So I'm going to put 30 seconds on the timer. Let's see if you can do it. I reckon you can. Right, you've got 30 seconds to name as many movies as you can, starring Tom Hanks. Big. You've got Mail. Uh, Castaway. Uh, oh, Saving Private Ryan. And, oh, Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump, yeah. Look at that. That's five. Yeah, is you've it, done it. I've got it. Absolutely. So well, many more really are with Tom Hanks. He's one of my faves. Tom Hanks, he's amazing. I just love Tom Hanks. Can't go wrong. Toy Story. Toy Story. I know. I didn't want to say. I was like, yeah, Toy Story. I, should, I, I could have gone one, two, three, four. I know. I'm so glad you didn't because I thought she's going to say that's exactly what she's going to do, especially given we reviewed it um, recently. Cool. Well, yeah. thanks a lot. A couple of really easy to watch films this week. Next week. Yeah, epic. Gladiator and The Prestige. So look forward to it. And we throw in that Guilty Pleasures category as well. And we're still doing the old movie connections. We're putting them up on Facebook. So if you fancy a go of that, have a look on the Facebook page. 
And yeah, this is the 20th episode. So thanks for everybody. Wow. Yeah, yes. thanks for everybody who's yeah. listening. It's quite a milestone for us, 20th. Which it means... is, and it all started at the start of lockdown, really, didn't it? It did. And now, well, we're kind of coming out of it. Oh my God, Sarah, the kids are back at school next week. I know. That's scary. I know. Thank goodness. Thank <laughs> <laughs> goodness they're going back. Absolutely. I didn't say that. No, of course you didn't. Although everybody with kids at school is thinking exactly the same thing. Yeah, it's like Christmas for parents. It is, absolutely. <laughs> right, okay, well have a really good week, Sarah, and look forward to chin-wagging about more movies next yep. week. Thank you very much, Rob. Enjoy your, your game as well with family and friends. <laughs> I will. Thanks. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye.